0: Our students need to feel seen, heard, understood, and known in our classrooms, and it begins with us. In his new book, The Power of Teaching Vulnerably, author David Rockauer illustrates how middle and high school teachers can build engagement and foster genuine student relationships by embracing vulnerability. He guides readers through leaning into discomfort, sharing personal stories, and navigating difficult classroom conversations. I'm Brad from Heinemann, and today on the podcast, David is joined by author Ellen Oliver-Keene. David was mentored by Ellen during his time as a Heinemann Fellow. It was through their collaboration and the action research project David worked on that led to what became The Power of Teaching Vulnerably. Their conversation begins by talking about how David's work started with the question of student engagement and led to his work in Vulnerability.
1: Well David this is an exciting <laughs> this is an exciting podcast. I have been hoping that your ideas would be born into a book for you know 4 or 5 years now, 3 or 4 years anyway, and here it is in this gorgeous book that I read over the last 3 days and I'm just um As I mentioned to you before we started to record, I'm very um, persuaded by the arguments you make in this book, that they feel like extremely strong arguments. And I'm almost wondering, as as I read it, why haven't we been talking about this for a long time? I am really interested to hear and for your audience to hear a little bit about how your work evolved from your earliest studies of engagement as a Heinemann Fellow into the vulnerability work that you have um, published in this gorgeous book.
2: Thank you, Alan. I'm so excited to be here with you and it's great to chat. So just prior to the fellowship, I was actually introduced to your book and your work with engagement, what makes students move beyond compliance to things like emotional resonance and that really struck a chord with me. And I had already been thinking about what it means to be an authentic teacher. So pairing teacher authenticity or vulnerability and engagement seemed an idea worth exploring. As you said, I I don't think, you know, we talk a lot about social emotional learning, but drilling down to the specifics of vulnerability hadn't really been touched on, at least in my experience. So initially, my research question was, in what ways does teacher vulnerability impact student engagement? But after time, I wanted to examine sort of all the impacts that teacher vulnerability might have on learning. So then, as you know, I changed my question to, in what ways does teacher vulnerability impact student learning experiences and from there i moved into my research question and and the three different dimensions sort of evolved from there
1: well i'd love to hear you talk a little bit about each of those three dimensions because that is actually what fascinates me so much and uh, you know it, it it's especially compelling i think because you identified these three dimensions independent of outside theoretical work, but really instead they they came into being because of what you observed in your kids, right? I mean, could you talk a little bit about each one of the three and you know why they're important, why we should be paying attention?
2: Absolutely. So the first one, probably the one that I focused on the most was personal vulnerability. And there, I should say before I go into all three, that there's definitely some overlap here with the three different dimensions, but personal vulnerability I define as the stories that we share with our students that tell about a failure, a joy, a memorable moment, really about showing students who we are beyond the classroom walls. And I think too often we bring stories to the classroom, both verbal and written, that are safe and polished pieces. So we bring those mentor texts, hey, I've worked on this draft 100 times and I'm ready to share it with my students. But I think we also need to share the ones that we've struggled with, the ones that have made us feel something that have tugged on our heartstrings, you know, as we're writing them, that may, we may be a little uncomfortable sharing just because it's gonna make us emotional, but we're asking kids all the time to write from the heart. And I don't know that we're, as, as teachers, always willing to share those pieces ourselves. So that's kind of where the personal vulnerability came in. And what I found through my research is that it inspires students to take risks. It makes the classroom feel more comfortable for them. It increases student engagement and it fosters mutual respect. So that's sort of the first dimension. The second one is relational vulnerability. And I define that as apologizing for our mistakes that we make in the classroom. And also giving those very specific verbal compliments, which may not seem like something that requires vulnerability, but I think it does. Giving a a clear, specific verbal compliment can make the giver and the receiver feel a little bit vulnerable. But when I think back on my experience as a student, there were very few, if any times, when a teacher gave a, a real genuine apology. You know, we tend to hear things like, I'm sorry I yelled, class, but I wouldn't have had to do that if you were following directions, right? <laughs> That's not a real apology. Yeah, it's
1: a um, non-denial denial. It's a exactly. not apology apology, right?
2: <laughs> exactly, and it's much more rare when a teacher says, hey, I raised my voice yesterday, I shouldn't have done that, I'm gonna work to do better, I'm sorry. Leaving it simply like that is really powerful. And I think
1: can actually surprise kids. Like they look at you.
2: They wait for something else. They wait for the butt.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I think um, sincere compliments also sitting down with a student during a writing conference and saying, this sentence you wrote right here gave me chills and took me back to my childhood winters and made me feel the joy of a distant memory. Something that specific really, again, shows them what they've done as a writer um, much more than, hey, I really like your piece. This is great. It's, it's too general. So getting specific um, really builds that relational piece. And um, through my research, I found that relational vulnerability helps students see that adults are fallible. It creates more equitable student-teacher relationships, and it also builds community.
1: You know, a, a thousand years ago, um, when I was first teaching, Don Graves, who in many ways is clearly one of the earliest driving forces at Heinemann, used to talk about children's magical thinking, how they would look at uh, teachers' writing in particular, and just it always looked so perfect to them. And when kids were asked... Gosh, how do they, you know, how, what do you think about that your teachers writing? They would say, oh, well, you know, everything they write is just magically perfect word by word, you know, as soon as they write it down. So there was this sort of magical thinking that was true with younger kids, but you're making me realize that, you know, that that's true for older kids too on the personal side. And then, you know, on the relational side, that almost a tenderness that we have, you know, that we need to have. And again, why do I think of that as something that teachers of young children are particularly good at, but that we somehow lose as we get older? I, have you have you noticed that at all?
2: Yeah, now that you say that, absolutely. I think we're okay being kind and gentle and sweet with younger students, but some for some reason in middle school or high school, there's this idea that we have to be tough and put up walls and seem to be like on the ball all the time. And yet we're telling students, as you said, it's okay to make mistakes, right? but are we making them? And are we talking about the ones we make? So then the last uh, dimension is dialogic vulnerability. And this is where we would invite those crucial conversations into the classroom when we can, uh, even if they may create some tension or discomfort. And those topics may include anything from social justice issues, conversations about identity, relevant current events, really just making, it's about making our schools more inclusive spaces. And I think it's important to point out here that my book really is not about, or that chapter is not about how to have these conversations necessarily. That's been done so many times by others so well. Writers like Sara Ahmed in Being the Change does it beautifully with elementary and middle students. Matthew Kay's book, Not Light But Fire, dives into the, into the high school one classroom. One of my favorites,
1: yeah. It's yeah.
2: amazing. But my chapter really just pointing out that feeling vulnerable during those conversations is okay. And it's normal right? But when we do have those conversations, um, what I found is that it increases student engagement. Students are often less afraid to have the conversations than we are as teachers. It encourages student voice, and it also strengthens the classroom community.
1: You know, I think when we're having conversations that might make someone feel uncomfortable, I mean, I, I always felt this as a teacher. I always had this sense that I have to know exactly what I'm going to say, and I have to have it all kind of spelled out and, and sort of predictable, and it has to be within my control because this topic verges into something controversial or around which there are political differences. But I think what your chapter made me feel is that I didn't need to have it quite so packaged and probably therefore inauthentic. I mean, if it was that well planned, right, it right. Might- veer into being actually inauthentic, which is going to destroy the um, sort of beating heart of that kind of conversation.
2: It can also be prepped in a way that you've had these conversations with your colleagues before you take it to the classroom. I recommend doing that, especially with some more sensitive topics. Have those conversations with, with other teachers. Talk about articles together. Talk about what this would look like in the classroom. I think those are really important steps to take.
1: Absolutely. I would love to um, hear a little bit more about your students. You know, as I read through their (laughs) pieces, I just think, oh my gosh, who are these kids? You know, how did they get to the point where they are able to articulate? I mean, I'm just blown away by the student samples in this book. And so I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about perhaps where they started when you first began to kind of share, you know, these three dimensions of vulnerability and then how you've seen them evolve.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. It it was funny, even when we started with the word vulnerability, when I did interviews with them, they couldn't pronounce it. So it was like they were (laughs) (laughs) these funny interviews where- There were lots of bloopers and outtakes with the word. Uh, (laughs) But I think they didn't really understand, they thought this was just, why is David doing this? Why are we exploring something like this? And then, as we moved into it and talked about what it meant, and I started sharing a bit more of my pieces with them, I think they got it. They got that this is, hey, you know, teachers have told us right from the heart, right about things you care about, but we still weren't 100% safe in doing that. So I remember there was a sort of a critical point where I shared a story about my, the first time that I had seen my father show emotion when when, uh, he was, when I was a teenager and how it impacted me. And I wrote it, and I read it in front of the class, and I honestly didn't know that it was going to be hard for me to read. So, you know, midpoint in the read-ups, taking a deep breath, and I pushed through, and when I was finished, every teacher knows these moments where you could hear a pin drop, and then hands go up, and lots of questions come. And I think that was a real turning point, because they got it, they got that this is a place where we can write, and the writing is going to be real. And we're not going to overshare, right? And um, there were things that students would ask me about. Hey, do you think this is something I could write about? And sometimes it was okay, and sometimes it wasn't. But I think that was a that was a turning point. And then from there, I saw their writing become much, much more authentic.
1: Yeah, it just—I mean—the quality of the you know—the quality of the writing improved. Yes. Right? So this is not uh, this is not an intervention designed to make your students' writing better, but in fact. That's what you've got. And I just think that's an absolutely fascinating outcome because it wasn't necessarily, especially after you changed your research, it wasn't right. necessarily what you planned, right?
2: And, and this is, it's, it's in line with your research, I think, about engagement because you're moving from compliance here, complete this memoir, right? And do steps one, two, and three. Instead, you're hooking them essentially with emotional resonance. And then they've got that, right? They get it.
1: But you did did say something just in your last response that I I thought um, thought about it. It made me. It actually took me back to a time very early in my teaching career. It was my second year in the classroom. My mother was diagnosed with leukemia and passed away in my second year of um, teaching. I was twenty one, and so very very young, and. and, I, you know, there's my little bit of vulnerability here in sharing that with you. I don't share it too often, but I do look back on that time when she was getting sicker um, and after she died that I think perhaps I was too vulnerable with kids that I may have overshared a bit. And in fact, certainly not intentionally, but used them as a foundation to help me feel stronger at a time when I felt terribly, terribly vulnerable. And I wonder what your thinking is about, you know, can teachers go too far? Can students go too far?
2: Yes. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, by the way. I appreciate it. Um, Yes. Brene Brown talks about this, about setting clear boundaries. And I think that's equally important with teachers. Being vulnerable, first of all, comes with time and trust. So it's not something we should ever do on the first day of school or probably the first week of school. I think it evolves from knowing one another and what, it, and it will look different in every classroom. You know, what I share one year with one group may look very different the next year. And I would say if you have a story to tell that you're interested in telling to a class, I would highly recommend sharing that with a trusted colleague. Read it out loud to them, have that discussion first with them before you share it in the classroom, and ask your colleague is this too much? Am I missing something where this may have a, a negative impact? And then also ask yourself as you mentioned sometimes we unintentionally i think may want to share something for for shock value or to impress and you know we can be trapped in that especially young teachers i think to get that feedback from the students. And I think if you ask yourself, if there's any reason that you're sharing it for shock value, take it off the table. That's not
0: something you should share.
1: Right. right. Or for, or for sympathy in some way too. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, I think that was, you know, I certainly wouldn't have known that at the time, but I think that was a part of the, of the problem for me in doing that <laughs> Probably way too much for, for fifth graders at that stage in their lives. But, and,
2: and but just to add on to that too, because you mentioned students, can they go too far? And I think they can and I think it's important to talk to students about that and say, you know, your writing is, you can write whatever you want, right? This is your writing, but what we share with the class or what we turn in as an assignment, let's have a conversation about that, right? And that comes up in the writing conferences as well.
1: Right. right. So that you're dealing with those things that actually might put them at risk a little bit, almost. Even in a classroom as trusting as yours, there's still risk there for kids. There is, in, there is. In being vulnerable, right? Yep,
2: yep. And I think that's another reason that we don't dive in in the first weeks of school. You got to get to, you have to know the kids, you have to know what they're going through and what's, what's, um, what they're living with. And, and the longer you wait and the more you know them, the better you are able to, to help guide them as writers.
1: Well, you certainly pick up on, I mean, a reader gets the sense of, how deeply that impacted kids that, you know, teachers in, you know, your, your vulnerability and others, you know, you definitely get the sense of how, um, how much that impacted them. I kind of visualized as I'm reading about, you know, so, as I'm reading some of their responses, I, I sort of visualized, you know, you're the teacher that they come back to visit the year after, and the year after, and the year after, and the year after, right? Uh, I I hope so. I I think, I I can imagine that you're not, because I think those are the teachers, the the people who have been vulnerable with kids, the people who have been as authentic and genuine as you are with kids. Those are the the ones that, those are the teachers that stick in our our children's minds. And yeah. Yeah.
2: I think all of this, as you know, is grounded in relationships, right? The, that's what the kids are going to remember, how the things we talked about, how they, how they felt when they were in our space. And I'm really fortunate to teach in a school, and I go into the book about this school um, where we loop with students. So I teach grades six through eight uh, ELA. And so I've got, I've got students for three years, some of them. And that's just, you know, that's a gift.
1: Yeah. And I, I didn't send this question ahead um, to you David, but as I'm listening to you, I'm wondering th- about the impact um, of this book and your work on your colleagues, both within your school and outside. I, I can imagine that had I read this you know book from a colleague, I would have been moved to do things very differently in my classroom.
2: It's a good question. I, I definitely have a couple uh, friends and colleagues who have, Wanted to do things uh, and take action because of the book. I'll give an example. One of the things that, you, that I talk about in the book is writing live in front of students. So instead of bringing those polished pieces, for example, you're getting ready for a memoir and you put that blank Google Doc on the screen. And as a class, you've talked about topics that can come that your memoirs could be about love, greed, jealousy, fear. And you ask students, hey, pick one of these topics. I don't know what I'm going to write about. I don't know what you're going to ask me to write about, but I'm going to do 200 words as an intro right in front of you. And I was nervous doing that, right? And of course, the kids picked fear. They wanted to know something I was afraid of. So I wrote the piece and they saw me deleting, changing things. They saw me struggling, which I think is really important. So I had told this to one of my colleagues and actually told it to everyone at a staff meeting. And one of my colleagues came to me and said, hey, can I come to your class and do that? I want your class to watch me do that because he teaches social studies. So he felt like it would be forced if he did it there. So he came the next day and he did it and he, we, you know, we debriefed about it. So uh, I think, yeah, some people run the other way when they hear vulnerability and some people run and dive in because they want to take risks. And I think they understand the value of pushing into, the, into that discomfort or leaning into it.
1: You know, as I was reading, I did think a lot about social studies science and math teachers, um, you know, and how applicable I think this is beyond the literacy classroom and definitely for teachers of younger children and older children. This has a broad appeal across content areas and across grade levels in in my view. I mean, you know under what circumstances wouldn't we be vulnerable once we know and understand the impact i can't I can't think of. Of any circumstances where I wouldn't, I thought in particular about special ed teachers and children who have, um, you know, who have internalized um, certainly by sixth, seventh, and eighth grade negative impressions of their own capacity and aptitude, and and I just was found myself thinking if special educators could incorporate this kind of, you know, these dimensions of vulnerability. What a difference that might make for kids.
2: Well, you're giving lots of ideas for future writing topics, Ellen. <laughs> those are those are fantastic. Yeah. And I think you're right. I that crossed my mind, especially math, because I could hear somebody saying, you know, how does this apply to math? I remember asking you that question for engagement, because both of you know, our work is grounded in literacy mostly. But I think definitely, definitely it has broad implications. And it could be you could write about that and do a whole lot of research in those other areas.
1: You really could. Um, Let me ask you just because I'm curious. And if I'm curious, I bet your listeners are curious as well. What are you thinking about writing or doing next? Like a, a book like this? Well, you just said it, it opens up all kinds of new possibilities. What's on your mind in terms of big projects to tackle with your kids, new research you might be taking on? Because again, and I just want to reiterate, this came from research, classroom research, action research that you did in your classroom. That's so I'm great. curious what's next.
2: You know, right now, to be totally honest, I'm just really trying to rediscover my love of teaching because last year was so impossibly hard. And this year is still really difficult.
1: Very difficult. Um,
2: and there's there's still something missing. This year is obviously better than last for me. But um, because we've been through so much and continue to go through so much in the classroom, I'm focusing on building relationships with students and colleagues. And I'm sure there'll be more to write about and explore, but right now my energy is solely focused on connection. Sorry, I don't have anything great to say about future writing. No,
1: no, I think that's important because the last question that I wanted to ask, or or I guess an an observation that I wanted to make, and another thing that I had on my mind while I was reading was the, um, how do I want to say, maybe tender again is the is the word um, state that our kids find themselves in in some cases this year. How vulnerable necessarily without not necessarily with identifying it that way, but certainly they are vulnerable and they are in a tender place in their young lives right now. And I, I mean I just couldn't help but think how, you know, how much more powerful our teaching might be if we incorporated the dimensions of vulnerability, particularly, always, but particularly for kids right now, what have you noticed with that?
2: Yeah, I find myself, that's a great point. And I find myself being more patient. And as you said, a little more tender and understanding with timelines, especially, right? we I used to be a little less patient when things were late and now um, I'm understanding when they need to get it in late. And it's just about communication. And I think they, they understand and respect that, right? They, they're more willing to come to me about it ahead of time. Now, if they know they have a lot on their plate or they're feeling anxious and they need a they're going to need an extension. So I think that you're right now more than ever, patience is needed, understanding, empathy, compassion, all of that is is critical all the time, but especially now.
1: And so, you know, and just, the lack of punitive, you know, response, you know, just seems to me so important right now. I mean, external reinforcers, you know, I've never been a fan, as you will know, of anything external as a as an incentive or as a disincentive for kids. Seems to me particularly important this year that we win- minimize that external you know, those external reinforcements one way or another, and really focus, as you said, on relationships.
2: Absolutely. And and this is not just middle school where I teach. This is K to 12 and higher ed. I teach in a a university town, so a lot of our parents are professors, and I'm hearing from them that the students at the university are needing more understanding, more time, um, a little more care.
1: David, I just can't tell you how excited I am to have this book in the hands of teachers around the country. I think I told you in an email that I think I'll be happy only when it's in the hands of every teacher <laughs> in the country. And I um, especially I also love the forward written by my dear friend and colleague, Catherine Bomer, who writes so, so beautifully and understands, you know, in just a few words, of what, how, you know, how you think and how you operate in the world of kids. And so just that package of her beautiful forward and this incredibly convincing, powerful, persuasive, and dare I say, vulnerable book that you wrote is just something that is a great gift to this profession. And I'm just so grateful and so glad it's out there.
0: Our thanks to David and Ellen for their time today. David's book, The Power of Teaching Vulnerably, is available to order now from Heinemann.com. You can follow David on Twitter at DGRock and Ellen at Ellen Keene, all one word learn more and read a transcript of this episode at blog.heinemann.com. The Heinemann Podcast is a production of Heinemann Publishing. It is produced and edited by Steph George. Sound mixing by Steph George. Our creative producer is Lauren Audette. And our executive producer is me, Brett Whitmarsh. To learn more about the Heinemann Podcast, visit blog.heinemann.com. Thanks for listening.